Hello and welcome to Annersbrook Church. We hope that this message from our lead pastor, Graham Hislop, both empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annersbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Um, very cool. Good to be together. I wanted to read a good news story before we get into today. The uh, gospel is good news. Nice to see your face again. Haven't seen some of you for so long. If we haven't met, my name's Graham. That was my wife before, Rebecca, who was up here. And uh, really cool, really cool to be here. Thank you. Uh, I wanted to read a good news story. And I, this is not an um, affirmation of what this person does or a recommendation to anything business-wise. But I just thought this was an outstanding news article uh, this week. And I just thought, man, it's quite cool when there's good things going on in the world. Um, Graham Hart, here's a photo. He's been known as New Zealand's wealthiest man. My hair's starting to look like that. That's quite good. <laughs> Same name. He's just donated eight tractors, 30 fishing boats, and a container full of breakfast food to feed school kids in Tonga after the um, eruption and tsunami. Uh, that's going to feed them food for every, every school kid for the next year. And I just think 30 fishing boats, eight tractors, and a whole heap of food. Isn't that a great story? And I just think, personally... I just like that. And, and whether you did something this week, big or small, maybe not lots of tractors or lots of boats, look, you have got a ministry and you have got an impact. And whether you even shouted someone a coffee or you chose to smile at someone rather than road rage at someone, uh, come on, let's all keep making a difference. I saw someone who's in this building at the gym during the week and I saw what they were squatting and I thought, oh, Jesus, you know, make me like them, Lord. So it's good to have you here, Shep. But anyway, so good. All right, let's uh, get into the Word of God today. And I don't know if you were here last Sunday uh, or if you were online last Sunday, but uh, we had a doozy. Brent brought a, were you here? Brent brought this message about the prodigal and the father and this thing, this whole thing about this yearning that's within us, constantly within us that um, never really finds its rest until it finds home in Jesus. And the reason for that is because we've all been inbuilt with this radar, this locator beacon that's like, I've, I want to belong. I feel like I need to belong. And man, I know that feeling. I, and I, was, I actually wasn't here. I was in the city. For those of you who don't know, we've got, a, we've got a service happening in the city right now. One in Christchurch starting in a home. One in Wellington. There'll be one at 5.30 tonight and one online with you. We've already had one. So um, I sent an email to Brent. I was like, hey, I heard your message was unreal. Can you send me the notes? And he was like, why do you want to critique it? I was like, no, not at all. I wanted to read it. And so I read it. And uh, my gosh, like, it really resonated with me because the gospel is even better news than what Graham Hart did. It's restoring everything. You know, the, the story he told was out of Luke 15 where uh, uh, the prodigal son represents all of us who go our own way. But the father's heart was drawing, always wondering when his son, when his daughter was coming home. And the older brother uh, has got this role. We see it in the story, but Jesus acted as an older brother for us. So anyway, I was thinking about that. That really impacted me. And about three years ago, I was um, in Luke 15 reading The Prodigal Son. And I had, I've, got, I've got a fairly active imagination. I don't know if you are like this. You read the Bible and you're like, I don't get it. Like, you know, God, you've got to help me get this. This is, you, know, you can only spend so long in Leviticus, you know, or, or Numbers. It's the book of sleep, isn't it? It's the way to go to sleep. But there's truth all through it. And I was reading uh, Luke 15, and 
uh, began to think about what isn't written there. And what isn't written, because there's this, you know, this obvious part where the father says to the servants because the son's been brought back and been reestablished, um, which you heard last week, but like today's a new week. And like, so last week you were reestablished into this new kingdom, this new family. Right? And, and this is what happens. Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. The father says, bring a ring and put it on his finger and sandals on his feet. And we're going to have a fattened calf and kill it. And for all the vegans, we'll have some pumpkin. And let's have a feast. It's not in there. And celebrate. Uh, for the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. Now, this ring that the father gives is not a jewelry just to embellish like, yay, he's my son. We want him to look uh, fly. It's actually, if you do some Bible study, it's got a very real function. Now, in these times, these guys had these businesses, the father's business, and they were not micromanagers. They were not hands-on with their business. The father had people that ran it for him. And so the signet ring that was given as I began to study it about three years ago, um, as soon as the ring was given to him and the robe, the ring signified, son, you've got a leadership role back in this family business. I mean, you read the Bible so far sometimes, you never really think. Okay, cool. So they've had the party. Should we call it Saturday night? That's a good night for a party. So Saturday night, they've had this welcome home feast, probably Sunday night, but whatever. And uh, he goes to bed, the prodigal, puts the ring on the bedside table. His, did he give the dad give a watch? Did they have watches then, Jared? Sundial. He put a sundial on the bedside cabinet. Took the robe off. I won't do that. I've not got a T-shirt. I want to, but I won't. And, um, sorry. And um, I'm just thinking about the next day. It's not in the Bible. Just thinking about it. Have you ever been to church and you like, you hear this word? Like last Sunday, you hear this word, I'm included, I'm part of the family. And then you wake up the next day and you're like, I don't feel part of the family, I'm not included. I'm thinking about the prodigal wakes up, he opens his eyes, bedside table, shivers. I was reinstated in this role. What am I going to do? Because there's a lot of people who know what I've been up to for the last year or two. And this active decision, this is my over-imagination. To is he gonna, is he gonna, is he gonna? Because as soon as that goes on, he's now got to go run that business. And he's got to rise to the level of his reinstatement. See, when you give your life to Jesus, you're being reinstated and you've been given birthrights. But you actually have to, and I have to actually rise to the level of that reinstatement. What am I saying to you? For everything you heard last week about this family that you've been brought into, into the Father's lavish grace, here's what unlocks it. And I'm going to say a word, and you're going to be like, I don't want to hear this again, not at the moment. But here's the word, you ready? And I'll bring another word to mirror it because it's going to go down a lot better. Faith. Faith. So I want to share about unbelief today. Because you've probably heard so many messages on faith you're like, I, I don't, man, if I hear another one, I don't know what to do with that. And so I thought I'd talk about unbelief. I thought I'd talk about this moment where you're going to actually have to decide whether you're going to get up the next morning and go and do and be the son of the business to lead in the business. It's a very untalked about thing in, in these settings. 
So here's what um, happens, right? Believe, the word believe, to be persuaded about something, to be sure about something, the word believe, appears 249 times in your New Testament Bible. The Bible's separated into two books, main non-books, but two segments, Old Testament, New Testament. The New Testament begins when Jesus Christ is born, okay? Finishes with the book of Revelation. In the Old Testament, the word believe is mentioned once. Now, the reason it's only it's mentioned is in the spies going up to Canaan to work out if they could truly be and do everything that God had given them to do and be. That's the reference. But the reason it's not really brought as a concept in the Old Testament is because the Old Testament or the Old Covenant, the agreement that God had with people, was of doing. Okay? So the whole point would be that you'd live a certain way, live a certain standard to try to be holy. But in Galatians, it tells us what God was doing when He was doing that. And, and sad that many believers still live like this. They still live in a culture of doing. They still feel like to be accepted, they have to do, do, do. And all they get is do, do. But in the New Testament, right, we recognise in Galatians that Jesus, that God did this old covenant system of doing to bring us, each one of us, to this place of going, I can't do that. I can't be holy on my own. My own. I can't meet the standard. And as Paul cried out, our, our cry at the end of this reckoning is, oh, if I'd only have a saviour that could help me. Oh, well, God sent you one. And He did what we could not do. In other words, the new covenant is about believing in what Jesus has done. Okay? So when Jesus says, it is finished in John 19, 30, He was talking about what He finished for all of us to enter into. So, so that's why your doing does not help you a lot of the time because God's trying to get you to believe. Believing though adds to doing, leads to doing. Right believing adds to right behaving, leads to it. Some people try to get right behaving so they can finally believe, but it's not the kingdom way. First you are to believe and then you're gonna be transformed as you go. You never lead with legalism. You never lead with behaviorism. You lead by coming to Jesus and saying, thank you, God, that you are my righteousness. And in you, I stand 100% before you, even though I know there's some things that are not 100%. But if I keep coming to Him and keep doing that, transformation is going to take place. So the news alert today is Jesus, He never changed the system. If you believe to get salvation, then you also believe to receive healing. You also believe to receive provision. You also believe to see change. You also believe to get up and actually walk in this divine homecoming, this lavished grace that God has put on us. So that is why I want to talk about unbelief. Because in actual fact, right, there's a lot of us who have tried faith and we train faith it just doesn't seem at times to be working so well. I want to tell you a story where Jesus comes across a guy in this situation. Mark chapter 9. When they came to one another, um, other's disciples, when they came to the other disciples, Jesus coming from the Mount of Transfiguration, they see a large crowd and the teachers of the law were arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed in, with wonder when they saw him and they ran to him. And Jesus says, what are you argue, arguing with them about? He asked. A man in the crowd answers, teacher, this argument's basically, I brought my son who is possessed by a spirit that's robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, 
gnashes his teeth, and he becomes rigid. Another way to interpret that is just it's dinner time. Okay, that's basically what happens with young kids in dinner. <laughs> it's not actually true. This was a spiritual issue. So I, this is the point. He said, I asked your disciples, the ones who have been reinstated into the kingdom, to do the kingdom stuff. I asked your disciples to deal with it, but they couldn't. They could not. And Jesus goes, you unbelieving generation. How long do I have to stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him to him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground. He's rolling around. Like a fo- he's like a foam machine. He's, a, he's just foaming, going crazy. So Jesus, while this is going on, turns to the father and he's going to have another conversation. While this kid's writhing, he says this. He says, um, how long has this been going on for? From childhood, the dad answered. It's often throwing him into fire or water to kill him. And the dad says this, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Jesus says, if you can. I don't really know the tone. It could be, if you can. If you can. It could be a surprise. It could be a telling off. If you can. I don't really know. Just whatever you imagine. But the point is, if. I love um, Eugene Peterson's translation. He says, there's no ifs or buts in the kingdom. It says everything is possible for the one who what? Believes. Behaves? Who, who conforms? Who, who really grits it? And, no, believes. Believes. <laughs> so immediately the boy's dad goes, I do believe. And it's quite obvious he does because he's brought the son to Jesus to be sorted out, right? But lo and behold, something else is going on. I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. So he has faith and he has unfaith. He actually believes. And when Jesus saw people running to the scene, this crowd is building, he rebukes the spirit, you deaf and mute spirit, commands you to come out of him, never enter him again. The spirit, sheik convulsed, violently came out and the boy looked so much like a corpse. Many said he's dead, but Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up to feet and there he stood. I love it because I would have never left a story like this in the Bible. Never, ever. Not if you were really annoyed by people who had unbelief. Two basic word searches for unbelief. If you did it, you'd find them. The first one, first meaning is obstinance. Doing the opposite to God's divine will. Like God directing you, God dealing with you, God calling you, you know, God saying, I want you to do this, and you go the opposite way. Think of Jonah. That's known as unbelief. Isn't that amazing? It's not that you can't fathom it, it's that you won't get on board with it. Uh, that God would have mercy on Nineveh. Jonah's like, why would you have mercy on them? And he goes, I can't, I can't even see that. So he runs and he hides and, and, and that caused him to not believe, but God had a way. And I just want to say this, I've been there. I anticipate for whatever remainder of my life is left, whether it's 100 years or whatever, I want to let you know I anticipate I will be there again. Where I've had moments with God, it's been like a little mini standoff. No, I'm the only one. Okay, sweet. I've had it over money. I've had it over sticking it out in one place. I've had it around letting go of a fence. I've had it over apologizing. That's the hardest word sometimes. The most holiest word. So sorry. I can't sorry. 
I've had it over that. I've had it over admitting I was wrong. But the beautiful thing is that God is slow to anger. He's abounding in love. And His hand remains on you even if you are trying to bolt. And I just want to say, if you're in that situation or you become in that situation again, just one thing to remember. God has way more time on His hands than you do. He will outlast you. He will outlast you. No matter how much you kick against it, His love for you will outlast that situation. I want to encourage you to get the grace again to begin to flow and to see the light, the world the way that God is showing you. But that's not the unbelief this man had. This unbelief is referred to the Greek word where he had come to Jesus. He's not yet a follower of Jesus. He's got an issue with maybe a 10, 11, 12-year-old son, maybe. Jesus is going to help him. That's the faith he has. And that's what's going on. And then he says, this moment of doubt, this moment of unbelief. He says, but if you can. And Jesus is like, look, what are we talking about here? If you can. And unbelief is basically what you just heard. And it's best described as this. Let me give you the second definition, okay? Weakness of faith. Want of faith or faithless. And by the way, it's very hard for me to share this message because I grew up in an era of church where it was bented around that, oh, you didn't see that because your faith wasn't right. You weren't strong in your faith. Your faith was too small. That's not actually what's going on here because the father got the answer to the story. So what is going on? When I see an image, I get an image and a picture that really helps me. I'm praying it helps you too. The images of a young child, a little kid, okay? I have two sons. Uh, I've got three daughters as well. And when my two boys uh, were little, okay, they thought they were so strong. The older one particularly thought he was so strong. And he, they always loved to wrestle, right? They don't so much anymore uh, because I would get fully injured. But I, I remember when they were little, we used to just play fight all the time. And the play fighting would go on for like 10, 15, 20 minutes, maybe five, 10 minutes, maybe, uh, just depends. And then um, it would always end with one of them just going a little bit too far, the old one. And, and you know, like getting me in places that, that are not good to be got. And, and then I would be like, well, I've got to lay down the law, right? So every dad, I hope you feel the same way. I, to lay down the law, I don't talk to him. I just gave him a dead leg. Yeah, your laugh admits you're going to do the same thing to Knox. But the put, and I don't think I ever, Paris, did I ever give you a dead leg? I did. What? No, my daughter. No. So only the boys. That's all right. And then I'd always inside of my mind think, oh, I'll give him a like just a bit further, you know, just really feel that numbness uh, from the hip, what, to the ankle. And and anyway, I I would do that, and they'd run off crying, and I thought, oh no. And I tell you, I did feel slightly sorry. I'd hurt them but I was mostly aware of what was going to happen next, which was Rebecca was going to come in. And Rebecca was going to say, what are you on? You always go too far. And I, you know, I can't say, well, he's five and he was punching me where he shouldn't. I'm the adult. Anyway, the image I get is me taking my six-year-old son, Izzy, to the gym. And people get sick of these gym analogies, eh? So good. I could use a different one, but I can't be stuffed. So I, t- I took him, take him to the gym, he's six. And I get him on the bench press, okay? I say, Izzy, we're going to do the bench, okay? Bench is important to the pectorals, upper and lower. And I say, let's go. Let's uh, make this, uh, make this, make dreams come true. So it's the first time to the gym. And I get him on the bench. And so I think, let's go to the future, okay? 100 kilo. 
if you don't know what 100 kilo is, only Jared can do it. You know, this is, <laughs> but, um, but I put 100 kilo on and I unrack it and he takes the weight of it and his um, arms fall out of his body, you know, like his ribcage is broken. And you would say to me, well, that's just stupid. Uh, but in actual fact, that's just his age. That's just his stage. That's just where he's at. It will change. If the right things are done, his age and his stage, and your faith is just the same. The word un for unbelief just means you're just weak. It doesn't mean it's not there. It's all it means. It's just like little, baby, toddler. You know, you can be in this, I found this in my life, that I actually had faith, right? Faith for areas in life that I couldn't quite explain. Sometimes the Bible talks about the gift of faith. The Holy Spirit can give you a gift of faith. Other times faith is developed through the furnace of the refining fire. That sucks. I like the gift better. But I found that I had faith in my life. Like I could go to a church anywhere around the country and do what God had gifted or called me to do. And I just get up to do it. And I just believe I could do it. I can't explain it. I can't, it's not logical. It's just like this assurance. That's what faith is. Faith is. But can I just be honest with you? I had to go on a real journey, personal journey, when it came to believing for our family's finances. It did not come as easily for me. I, I knew what the Word of God said. I knew what had been reinstated at the cross. But for whatever reason, I had unbelief, even though I had some faith. So I know what God has done. I know what God can do. But for me, and, and the scenario too is quite practical because for 15 years we had one income. We were quite blessed in that um, my wife, is a, she's a beast. She bought a home when she was seven to 18, 19. And that really helped me as a person to the only asset to my name was a high purchase for a guitar. <laughs> Stop laughing, Rebecca. Uh, but, but so we, we, we had this um, not pressure in that space, but one income for 15 years. And so... These surroundings, and that was out of a choice because we really wanted to value raising family, right? That was the priority. So it was an active choice. She could have worked, but we chose not to. And also we have five kids, which takes about 50 years. So anyway, problem is I started developing unbelief. I don't know if this is ever going to change for us. I feel like some things are stuck for us. You might not have this issue around faith. You just get it. So I had to go on a journey. And do you know the journey took about three to five years? You might have thought I was about to say days. Because in the Christian life, we're like, if we didn't get it now, it's never going to happen. Three to five years where I would be like, God, I, don't, I, I, I see more, but I don't know how it's going to happen. God, how's this going to work? The prayers, the prayers were crazy. The conversations with other people were crazy. I just was, at times I got to the point where I was like, I've got to stop praying about it, Lord. I'm sick of, I just sound like a little child who's ungrateful. Like I went through this whole thing. It was just terrible. It was hard. And then this point came in my life where I was like, do you know what? I, I, no matter what I feel or, or see in this scenario, I've got God's Word that promises provision to His children. I have got to shift my faith on. So there, I can't tell you the whole story. I'd love to tell you what happened. But there was a series of events that took place 
that left me very much like this man. I believe God, because why would I be coming to you to pray about it if I didn't? But help me with my unbelief. It took about three to five years. And at the end of that mark, it was about three years ago, something massive shifted. Something, if I told you, you'd judge me. You'd just be like this, I don't know what has happened. I just, I just think, all honesty, my faith went from three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old, back to a three-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old, eight-year-old, back to a three-year-old. Well, quickly, 10-year-old, 11-year-old, through a series of things to this point where I'm like, God, you've got this. Like I said, there's no issue in other areas of my life, just in this area of my life. So anyway, it's quite a positive message overall for you because it means you can have faith in specific areas of your life and not faith in others. Don't write yourself off. Stop saying it's fixed, it's done, it's all over. I pray that someone, I'm screaming at you. I pray that someone in this room and online would get under their skin to have faith for healing, divine healing to do a journey of three to five years just to see, what are you gonna go after? I'm gonna go after the things of God. Because when you don't see it, you just wanna give up, right? But I'm so grateful that this man did not give up. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, 15, we hope that your faith will grow. Your faith's not fixed. It's just embryonic. It's just young. It just needs a journey. So whatever you heard last week about being brought home, This week, you should have been reaffirming that over and over and over and over and over because what? You want to wake up and you want to know this is my destiny. This is what I'm called to do. Um, This is actually what is mine in Jesus Christ. We've got to get better at that bit. We're we're good at saying, yeah, yeah, I believe because God did it. But we're not quite at the place where actually I'm going to take hold of it for my life. I'm going to take hold of it for my life. I want the band to come and join me. I, I did mention Shep um, before. Shep is an awesome guy. And if you don't know him, he's a, he's a great guy. It's like squatting 110 or 120. I just, it was a lot. And, and the problem too was it wasn't one rep. It was like many, many reps. And I, and I did talk to him, but I thought I'm going to leave before I feel that con- condemnation. You know, like I give up on life and the gym. But I do, I was talking to Shep and uh, actually with you, Shep, just talking about your life talking about, you know, your calling, the marketplace, the doors that are open, the, the boards that you, and the, the, the places of influence that God has opened up for you. And I just think this, it doesn't matter what anyone says or affirms about you, if you know the Father has mandated you on it, and you ought not to be afraid if you get into the meeting and you're like, I don't know if I can believe. You, you ought to do what this man did. Jesus I do believe because otherwise I wouldn't be here. But help me in my young little toddler belief bits that need to grow. I just feel like the call on your life is so significant. The ministry on your life, that platform, man, it's um, powerful. And, And this is you, this message is you. It's like, no, I choose today to walk in that what heaven has for me. We've found it so hard as the church to do it. It feels like you can either do that or not do that because we don't understand it. No, what if you can do both? What if you can actually grow into it? What if it just is a a journey that we go on? So anyway, your faith's like that.
And I want to finish by just encouraging us all. By encouraging us all. What, did, what does a man who has unbelief end up doing to, to, to have a moment and to see his son touched, delivered and healed? If you want to take a note, this is good. Number one, he had a humility of heart. He actually came and he said in front of a big group and a crowd, I do believe, but help me. What humility it took to say, I actually, to be honest, got a bit of growing up to do in this realm of my faith. In Jesus, He's awesome. He gives grace to the humble. Do you know what the word humble means? Because Kiwis love it. They think they own the tall poppy thing. It's got nothing to do with that. Humble is actually a, a transferable word for honest. Not pretending. Oh, people are getting so wound up with masks. People have been wearing masks for years. Why, why, did we, why do we do that? Because you don't realise that the currency of heaven works with humility. T.D. Jakes said this. T.D. Jakes said the most common prayer he's ever prayed is this on his knees saying, I don't know what to do, God. Help me. Turns out that God might have answered him. And here we are going, I, I need to look like I, I get it. I need to look like, and you know, I had to verbalise some of those things. I remember Jamie talking to Jamie about it. I, I think I talked to Rodney about it one time. I talked to Brent for sure about it. Talked to my brother about it. I, I didn't go on Facebook, but just, hey guys, I'm really believing I can move forward in my finances. I'm really believing I want to, and this dialogue of humility is just that honesty with the right people, the right time. God can turn up in that. Because some of you stop believing for your kids. It's not over till it's over. It's not over till it's over, people. You want to take that little faith, get it stronger, get it stronger, see the breakthrough, see the breakthrough. Second thing he did, he had a humility of heart. Second, exposure to truth. This would happen when you get in Jesus' presence is that His raw love, power, and honest truth of what He sees is confronting. And I've got to tell you that, that if you've not been made uncomfortable by what Jesus has said lately, you probably have not heard enough of what He said. Now His grace is going to see you through it, but He wants to get us to this point where we're exposed to the truth. What's it going to be for you? Is it going to be the kingdom reality? Or are you going to bow to your feelings? Is it going to be the, the reinstatement of all things into the household of faith? Or are you going to go with what you see? I have... I know we don't like preaching like this because it's like, but I haven't seen it yet. Y-E-T, Y-E-T. We should all get in here and chant that before we come to church because you're gonna come into things that you perceive and God's gonna say, no, I want you to believe. I actually want you to believe. I had an hour and a half meeting with a guy who was a pastor, very prophetic guy last Thursday an hour and a half of hearing about the miracles of God he saw. He told me about a man who had been diagnosed with melanoma. This is um, terminal. And he, he was his pastor. So he came to him and he said, I've been diagnosed with this. And they're saying it's all over. And uh, he said, um, well, let's pray. Prayed for him, went back. It was worse. Came back. They've told me it's worse. He goes, oh, I just don't. Pastor was like, I just don't believe this is it for you. He said, oh, I don't know. And he said, Go back and ask the doctors to treat you with a full blast of everything. And, and so the doctors took some persuading. They didn't want to do it. It was too weak. So they gave him the full blast. But, but after that, took fresh scans, came back to the pastor, said it's worse again. And now they've told me to go to the hospice 
because I actually need to get ready for the end. The pastor said that he just began to weep. He didn't see this for him. He said, let me pray for you. And he put his hand on him and he began to pray about things not seen, not known, not understood, that an unbelief, a toddler might not understand. By the way, there's a difference between being, whoa, childlike and childish. Childlike is believing. Childish is not easily convinced. So he prayed for him. The man felt this electricity through his body. He went to the doctor, got rescanned. Cancer totally gone. 15 years later, totally cancer free still. Happened in the city. Yeah. Because the city's not what governs you. It's the city of God. Oh, what if it doesn't happen? Not what ifs. Not if. Go with faith, see what happens. Go with faith, see what happens. God will see you through no matter what, but get it deep down in your spirit. Get exposed. I walked away from that meeting 10 foot tall and bulletproof. I was like, God can do anything. God can do anything. God can do anything. Man, why? Because I was just exposed to the truth. Three, finally, he had a heart of humility. He exposed himself to the truth of the situation. Then finally, stand on it. It's just this point where all the arguments are done. I'm going to take my stand. And this is actually the way out of your unbelief, by the way, in those areas. Out of infantile. Um, when Judah was really little, or all, any of the kids, when they were little and they went from toddler crawling stage, went from crawling stage, right? And then they got it that they wanted to walk. They wanted to go from un, weak, young, to they want to progress. They didn't need a 10-hour lecture on how to walk. Well, let me tell you about the philosophy of the ankle joint and just the calves, the way they're going to kick in. Your glutes probably keep it all together, but you know, they didn't need that. What they really needed was someone on the other side going, come here. Come. And even then it was fully programmed in them. But one encouraging father or mother saying, come on, come on. And do you remember the first step of your kids? If you haven't had kids yet, get ready for this. One step, like, you know, newborn giraffe. And then second step, and then grabs the table. And the whole house erupts. The grandparents are taking photos. It's going in the photo album. We should be like this in the family of faith. Have you taken a fresh step in your faith? I applaud you. Are you just a little bit further on than last time? I applaud you. Not quite there yet. You're not quite running, but you're walking. I applaud you. You turn back up. I applaud you. We've got to get a culture of no masks, no pretending and celebrating the baby steps. We're all, all. I'm, you, know, you know when I really feel passionate, I shout. We all are taking. We are all on this journey of faith. So you can hear a thousand sermons on faith but you have to step out. That's how you'll know what's in you. And it's okay if you take the first step and then fall flat on your face. That's fine. Lick your wounds. Go back to the truth. Humble your heart. Well, that didn't work, Lord. Take another step again. And that's what I'm going to get you to do right now. I'm going to get you right now to take a step of faith. Uh, It won't be the only one you need to take. But I'm going to get you to do something that we sung about in the service. That's really, really powerful. And it's called prophesying. 
And, and the natural man, our, our flesh does not like it. You know, you, you can be getting scans and you can be getting news and same bank statement or, or you go home, same conflict in the family. Friday morning, Beck and I, we had a day off together. We took time to do what we're about to do together collectively because um, we had a daughter who wasn't feeling well. Daughter, there she is. That's my daughter. And she wasn't feeling good. She was feeling really sick. And then I had a um, son who's studying a new school. So we're just believing that it'd just be awesome. And then had another daughter, had some, you know, just just some challenge, you know, like of, of just practical challenge. And then we've got a daughter who's 14. So that's just full intercession uh, <laughs> with TikTok and everything else. And then we've got, no, she's awesome, by the way. She is awesome. I, I, it's all tongue in cheek. And then I just keep praying for Judah anyway. Oh, just going to keep believing he's, you know, he's got a, an illness, but I just keep believing. Anyway, so we're, it's not very formalised. We're in our bedroom, sitting on the, she's on the floor, I'm sitting on the bed. Just began to pray backwards and forwards, like ping pong. She'd pray a bit, I'd pray a bit. She'd pray a bit, I'd pray a bit. I thought, boy, she sounds so spiritual. I better up my game. Oh, yes, Father, mighty Father. You know, just this, and we just gave it to the Lord. And when you're praying, you got, you got this op- opportunity because this is sitting on the bedside table of your life and you can pick it up. You're nodding because you know, we know. We know that we can speak some things that are not as though they are. And when you're really facing things and, you're, and your body's telling you one thing, prophecy is a beautiful tool. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Like with Ezekiel, can these dry bones live? The Lord said to Ezekiel, great answer, you ready? Only you know, Lord. Cool, prophesy to them. So when you pray, you can beg if you want, but that's not who you really are. You're not a beggar. You're actually a child of God who in this place is called to see God's kingdom come and will be done. So you begin to prophesy to that thing. I see all my kids coming to know Jesus. Well, you don't with your natural eyes, but you do with your spirit. And it agrees with the Bible. Psalm 91, the generation of the upright shall be blessed. So I'm gonna align my faith to the truth. Come with a humble heart. I don't get it. I don't feel it, but I'm gonna say it. Oh, that's that American self-help stuff. No, it's not. Jesus is the one who said, if you speak to this mountain, do not doubt in your heart, but believe what you say shall happen. You'll receive it and it shall be done for you. The church in 2022 is still learning the basic lessons of faith. You've got to speak. You've got to prophesy and you can. And uh, I wanna pray that way. I want us to pray that way. Prophesy the sale. It is done. Top dollar as well. Prophesy the open doors. It's going to work out really good. Prophesy through your nervousness. Let's stand to our feet. Prophesy through the illness. Prophesy through the difficulty because I'm going to turn my unchildish faith into faith that can stand. And so online you can join us in this as well. That song that we say, let all the redeemed prophesy and sing. So we're going to spend a couple of minutes just prophesying. And then on the end of this, you know, I think some of our faith is going to just go... Some of you need to prophesy to your family dynamics. So you wanna say, Lord, I thank you. There's gonna be laughter in the house. There's gonna be no more arguing. There's gonna be peace. We're gonna find out what's been causing these issues. We're gonna reconcile it. We're gonna move forward. Thank you for favour. Thank you that my brain is clean and clear. There's no illness in it. Thank you that my sight is perfect. 
Thank You that my ears are open. So right now, you, come on, just begin to prophesy. And can some of you please prophesy over this COVID season too? Come on, over the government and over the land and over the church. Come on, can you prophesy right into the next 10 uh, 10 years? Come on, just begin to prophesy it. And online, you can do this. You won't feel like it, but it will work. Come on, speak out a creative solution. Come on, let's do it, everyone. The Holy Spirit's just breathing on your words, so choose them wisely. Because in turn, if they came to pass, would you be happy with what you gave Him? Come on, think big. Come on, believe big. Take a step out of the natural. Start to create a world. Speak life and health. I believe you, Lord. Help me with my unbelief. Thank you, Lord. Can I just pray this way, okay? You don't have to copy me, but just pray now, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you just breathe on this which I have spoken, the audacious, the impossible, the ridiculous, these things that make no sense, that you take each one of them and you begin to build sinew on them and life on them, that the mountains will be moved, that the doors will be opened, that the healing will come. And I pray for it in Jesus' mighty Name, sealing it with this sort of powerful statement, I believe, that's what I mean means. Let it be so. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Come on, give God some praise. Right now, we're going to say goodbye to everyone online. We're going to say goodbye. We love you. Thank you for joining us. You can follow the next steps that are on the chat. If you want to take a next step, you want to find out more uh, as we finish up the service. God bless you. Come on, everyone in this room. Let's say goodbye to everyone online. We love you. We'll see you really, really soon. Amen. We trust you enjoyed this message. And if you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch. You can either visit our website or email us at info at annasbrook.co.nz.